Could it be that, like me, that God's people have found themselves way before this pandemic ever hit in a place where it was necessary for God to make us lie down? That we had just gotten too busy, even in our religion, even in our service, in our ministry, that we had just gotten way too busy for us to remember what was most important. You know, this last week, uh, Governor Cuomo boastfully said, well, we did this. We helped ourselves. It was our effort and our effort only that curtailed the worst of this pandemic. God didn't do this. Are, are we sure what God does and what God does not do? Uh, you know, it's very conceivable, even though the that God works differently under grace than he did in the Old Testament, but God continues to be a part of this world, to to be a part of our day-to-day lives. And it's very conceivable that God very well may be using this crazy time in our lives to cause us to lie down, to take stock in what's really important in life, to peel away all of that technological noise and the distractions of external entertainment and to turn our attention back to him. See, uh, King David, who penned that psalm, Psalm 23, he knew he had been a shepherd before he he was a king. He knew that when a shepherd uh, gets a a sheep to lie down, it's for their well-being. It's for their well-being. It's to strengthen the sheep, to to nourish them, not to panic them. You you never see sheep um, going into a panic when the shepherd makes them lie down in the green pastures. They're not saying, oh no, duck and cover. Something's going to happen. Here come the bombs. They don't go into that kind of panic. David is saying, like what he said in Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You you see, you get the sense from David that he does not have fear on those times that God makes him lay down. Psalm 46 tells us that God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And what I love about that psalm is that later on in verse 6, it actually says, even when the nations are in an uproar, boy, what, what an amazing picture of what's happening in our world today. Even then, we don't have to fear because the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, is with us. Now, that does not mean that we act foolhardy, as we spoke of a few weeks ago, or put ourselves in the path of danger. Remember, Satan one time actually was tempting Jesus to do just that, to to go up on the highest point of the temple and to throw himself off. He quoted scripture to the Son of God, where God had promised that his chosen one would not be hurt if he had done something like this. So Satan said, why don't you try it, Jesus? Go ahead, try it. And Jesus said, and again, this is a, a different translation than you may have, uh, have ever read. But Jesus said, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. It says also in the Bible, do not test the Lord your God, not to put him to the test. See, God gave us common sense. He gave us brains. He gave us sensibility to guide our decisions. Folks, having faith in God and not fearing what's going on does, does not mean that we just go out and be foolhardy. It means that we're trusting God but only in ways that is going to bring him glory, not ourselves. We just celebrated two full weeks of Easter. Uh, One was the Western Easter a couple weeks ago, and then last week, the Eastern Orthodox Easter. Uh, And and those were great times of worship and celebration. Like I've been telling many of you, I, I look so forward to the time where this whole social distancing thing can be finished 
once and for all so that we can actually have a, a celebration of resurrection together. A resurrection celebration unlike any other that we've ever had. Uh, like one of our elders said, a, a shindig to end all shindigs that it incorporates music and food and, yes, Pam, dancing and, 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 and a celebration and fellowship and being together again. A, a really big Easter service. Now, from what we are hearing now on the news, from what the government is saying, the reopening of America will happen in stages. Uh, the governors of each state will have a say as to when it will be safe for each state to relax the restrictions on gathering together. But some people believe that that might be another 40 days or so, which is appropriate because I just learned this week from uh, something that one of you sent to me on Messenger. I learned what the word quarantine means. If you look up the etymology behind the word, you'll see that it means a 40-day period. It was first used for uh, ladies who had had babies and they needed to stay put for 40 days. It was also for widows in mourning to stay put in their house uh, uh, for 40 days. It, it came to be used as that period of time in which sick people needed to stay isolated to make sure the sickness didn't infect others. Quarantine, 40 days. Hmm. Now, some believe that it was uh, at the Council of Nicaea in A.D. 325 that this period of time, uh, 40 days before the resurrection celebration would be established. It, it was a 40-day period known as Lent, a time for you to give something up in order for you to prepare your heart for that resurrection celebration. It began 40 days. It began on Ash Wednesday, and it would lead up to Resurrection Sunday. Now, I, I think that in about 40 days, we are going to have our big resurrection celebration. So wouldn't it be cool if we approach the next 40 days uh, as God's people would do during Lent as a new kind of Lent for us, a time that God would make us lie down to renew our strength, to resharpen our focus, to make us more at peace in our trust with him, and to allow us to be truly grateful for the blessings that we have, things that we might have taken for granted far too much in these last several years. Wouldn't it be pretty awesome to see this quarantine, this 40-day period, in the same light as so many other 40-day events found in the Bible? So in other words, if you did not celebrate Lent this year leading up to the traditional Easter service, uh, because you usually don't do that, maybe you will take the next 40 days to be like Lent for you. Because I believe that like so many other places in the Bible, this next 40 days could very well change your life. There, there are a lot of stories, and, and taking, like, like I said, my cue from my father, uh, we're going to be looking at these stories about 40 days for the next several weeks. So today I'm going to begin with a very familiar story, but a story of which part of might be not as familiar to many of us. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and the story is David and Goliath. Uh, Goliath was a Philistine, one of God's traditional enemies, uh, the, the enemy of God's people. And, and the Philistines had gathered for war against the Israelites. The, the, the Jewish army under King Saul had prepared a battle line on one side of a valley called the Valley of Elah, and the, the Philistines were on the other side. 
And as the two armies stared each other down, the Philistines, in an act of mockery, sent out a champion, their champion, a nine-foot-tall giant warrior named Goliath. And he came out to challenge one of the Israelites to a fight. Anyone. Didn't matter. He was their champion. He was the Philistine champion. He was looking for Israel's champion. The stakes were simple. It was a one-on-one battle. Champion against champion. Winner take all the marbles. Whichever champion would come out the winner, that side would win the battle, and the other side, the losing side, would have to serve the winning side. Now, let me ask you, any gamblers out there willing to take that kind of odds to go up against a nine-foot warrior with immense armor and weaponry? It's not really surprising to, to see that no one is real hot on Israel's side to take the Philistines up on their, on their offer. Not when they have to see Goliath every day step up and make this horrible taunt that we read of in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 10, where he says, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now the Israelite soldiers, they're pretty content to stay in place, to polish up their armor, and just wonder if anybody's ever going to be stupid enough to go out and face that giant. Um, In his book, Fuzzy Memories, author Jack Handy writes, There used to be this bully who would demand my lunch money every day. And since I was smaller, I would give it to him, and then I decided to fight back. So I started taking karate lessons. But then the karate lesson guy said I had to start paying him $5 a lesson. So I just went back paying the bully. Too many people today feel it's easier just just to pay the bully than it is to learn how to stand up and defeat the enemy. That the Jewish soldiers, they were not about to take up Goliath on his offer. No way. They, they did not want to take that risk. Fear had set in because they heard this day after day after day after day. And that begins to wear on you. See, people who should have been trusting the Lord and, and his strength would succumb to this feeling of hopelessness. How? Well, if you... Jump down to verse 16. Here's the part of the story that you may never have ever taken note of. Chapter 17, I I don't have this on the the slides, but if you are looking at your Bibles at home, which you should be, chapter 7, verse 16 says, For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. 40 days. 40 days. Twice a day the news blared the threat. God didn't do this. Faith didn't do this. You should be afraid. Um, This thing could blow up and kill millions. Folks, you you hear something like that enough, you you do begin to question. You do begin to question if you really put your faith in, in the right power. So let me ask you there listening at home. It's been over a month now. Has it started to wear on you? The, uh, the social distancing, the not being able to see family and friends like you used to, not being able to gather together. Has it started to wear on you all the bad news that, that seems to be out there more than, than hearing the good news? Have you found perhaps the enemy 
starting to whisper discouraging thoughts into your ear? Have you wondered about where God is? Has your faith begun to waver a bit? Forty days, twice a day. I, I, I bet you that the soldiers could probably even repeat it every day. Whenever Goliath went out there, they'd say, here he goes again. That, yeah, I defy the armies of Israel. Let a man come out and fight me. They could probably, they, they, they would hear it in their sleep. Forty days watching the morning news, watching the evening news, listening to the political pot shots, more reporting on bad news than on any kind of hope. David knew. David knew. See, he was just visiting the battlefield, bringing a lunch to his brothers who were soldiers in the Israeli army. He was still a shepherd boy. Dad said, I want you, David, to go out and check in on your brothers. And as he did so, he looked at the camp. He looked at these soldiers who should have been fighting for the Lord God Almighty. And what he saw made him sad because they had become defeated without ever having to go and face the giant. See, David knew that this was a horrible thing for them to face. He, he understood what happens in that kind of environment where there is hopelessness and you hear the bad news every day, twice a day. So he warned Saul in verse 32. He warned him, says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. No, no one lose heart. Losing heart. Folks, that's what David observed in the attitudes of the people of God. They had lost heart. You, you live with defeat long enough. You live with a threat long enough. You, you hear enough doom and gloom. You begin to shift your focus from the one who is ultimately in control. And it's crazy what happens when you have the wrong focus, where you are looking at the waves instead of the one who can save you from the waves. Folks, I'm not even just talking about people who are tired of this quarantine. I'm talking about people who are frustrated because they are trying to get healthy. And it just does not seem to work, their eating plan, and they're getting discouraged. Uh, people who have had problems with their relationship, and it just doesn't seem like whatever they do, it will make a difference in their marriage. Uh, pe- people who, they're, they're looking for a job during these lean times, and doors keep just shutting in their face. Folks, we all have times where it just doesn't seem to be working. And we hear it again and again and again and again that we can't win. And Goliath gets into our heads. And we have this, this same kind of attitude that the Israelites had where they begin to lose heart. Last week we talked about the, the, the loss of heart that the women would have had as they went to embalm the, the, the body of the dead Jesus. They had lost hope. that They went to a place where it would remind you of the end of life a cemetery, a tomb. They were visiting the dead, the, the man whose death had spelled out the end of their hopes and the death of their dreams as he was supposed to be their promised Messiah. They had lost hope because they were focusing in on the wrong thing. They were focusing in on the dead. But the angel showed up and said, listen, you don't look for the living among the dead. You look for defeat, folks. You're going to see defeat. You look for death. You're going to find death. The enemy wants us to diminish hope, and as he does so, the giant becomes bigger than what he really is. Now, I'm not denying that Goliath was nine feet tall. That's pretty amazing. That's like three feet taller than I am. That's huge. Nine feet tall. 
But I, I'm telling you this, that the nine-foot-tall giant with no hope becomes an even bigger enemy. Because when you have no hope, everything seems to be magnified. I, I, I want to tell you two stories at this point. So just kind of sit back and enjoy these. One is from VeggieTales. If you've watched that, uh, that came out in the 90s. An amazing little cartoon that would take Bible stories and put them a, a little bit different uh, twist on them, but uh, teaching God's truth to children through the animation of these vegetables, uh, Bob the tomato, Larry the cucumber, Junior asparagus. Anyways, there, there was one where Junior asparagus was having uh, problems going to sleep at night because he'd been watching a television program, a, a scary movie. And after he turned off that scary movie, he began to imagine things in his bedroom. Uh, he was watching Frankencelery, by the way. Frankencelery. And um, as he was expressing fear, Bob the tomato and Larry the cucumber showed up. And they said, you don't have to fear um, because uh, God is bigger than the boogeyman. In fact, they sang the song, God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Yes, God is bigger than the boogeyman. And he watches over you and me. Then, then, then Bob and Larry actually bring the frankencelery into Junior Asparagus' room. And he goes, oh no, it's frankencelery. And frankencelery says, actually no, I'm, my, my name is Phil. And I'm from Toledo. I'm an actor from Toledo. That's, that was his voice. And, and so Junior Asparagus saw that uh, he didn't have to be uh, afraid of the monsters on TV. Because it, uh, it was just Phil, an actor from Toledo that had gotten blown up in his mind because of fear. Now, fast forward to uh, about a year ago. Jenny and I were out on the town. We, we were on a date, and I, I got a phone call from the girls. Donovan was on the phone, and she says, Dad, Jayana is freaking out. I go, oh. Uh, Jayana had apparently taken a bath, and as she was getting out of the bathtub, there was something in the bathtub that had not been there when she began her bath. It was a cross. And they were convinced that there was a ghost in our house that somehow put, transported this cross into the bathtub. Well, I reminded them of the story of Junior Asparagus. And I said, folks, you know, I don't know what's going on, but God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. I actually sang that over the phone to Allie and to Donovan and to Jayana uh, because they were all freaking out. Turns out Jayana actually had used a bath bomb uh, that she had gotten from a Christian company that apparently had put little, little charms inside the bath bomb and as the bath bomb would fizz down, those charms would come out in the bathtub and since it was a Christian company, uh, there was a cross that uh, was a special treat for them. See those little things? An actor from Toledo, a bath bomb, and they become huge in the minds of those who did not understand that there was a bigger picture. But David knew here in 1 Samuel 17. He says, do not lose heart. Why? Because he wasn't looking at defeat. He wasn't looking at death. He was a shepherd boy. Yes, no military training whatsoever. But he did have an experience with the living God, the God of Israel, the God that these, that these soldiers should have been putting their trust in. 
because he had seen God's power at work. This is what he says in verses 34 through verse 37 when he's talking to King Saul. He says, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed uh, both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Where was David's hope? Not just in his own power, but in the rescuing hand of Almighty God. He would go on to say in verse 47, Hey, all those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword, it is not by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He's telling the enemies of God. Now, don't don't get the wrong idea. There's still a job for David to do. There's still a sling for him to pick up. There were still five stones, four of which were not needed, apparently, Uh, There were still some stones to pick up. There was still a giant to face on the battlefield. David had to be willing to do what God called him to do, to to get out there and to be used by Almighty God. But, But the most critical part was relying on the one who would ultimately bring the victory. Folks, I don't know what giant you're facing today, but I will tell you this. When you are faced with your giant, it is good to remember that God has been faithful to you in the past. Times where he has shown up with his power in other areas of your life. And he's helped you through some amazing circumstances. So why would this circumstance be any different? It may be different timing. God may be working in a different way. He may be calling you to do something different than you've ever done before. But in David's experience, God was bigger than the boogeyman. He was bigger than a lion, he was bigger than a bear, and he surely was bigger than a nine-foot giant. And though the, the enemy looked huge, God would always be bigger. The best things that I have heard during this pandemic are, are people who are out there helping others and to continue to pro- proclaim this truth, that God is bigger than the virus, that he is more powerful than these novel microbes. See, David knew God could handle it. And he was willing to put his full weight on that belief. No armor necessary, by the way. Just a crude weapon of a shepherd boy, a sling. And again, five smooth stones, four which were not necessary because the first one made its way onto the giant's forehead. You know the rest of the story. Starting in verse 48, we read, As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him and he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Folks, when David showed up on the battlefield to bring his brother's lunch, his brother 
questioned his motive. He says, I know how conceited you are. I know how wicked your heart is. You've just come out here to watch us be defeated. You came to watch us be taunted by this man. King Saul had told David this was impossible. He says, you can't go out and face this Philistine. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. You know what that is? Fake news, folks. If anything else, that is fake news right now. You're, you're only a young man. You can't do this. David said, oh, well, I, I probably can't on my own. But he says the battle is the Lord's, and I'm going to go out and do what I can do. And God, through me, will win the day. He steps out in faith, and in the end, Goliath lays headless on the ground. This one who had threatened God's people for 40 days. Quarantine quarantine. 40 days where the enemy will try to discourage you. 40 days when you hear the taunts of God didn't do this. God isn't going to help us. 40 days where we will hear where people will die. In some places it'll get worse before it gets better. Does that mean our God is helpless? Of course, of course not. Of course not. Of course not. So important for us, the people of God, to respond to trials like this in a way that best honors our powerful God. Paul tells us that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, which means we don't go out and put other people at risk, but it also means that we get Goliath out of our heads, that we don't let him dictate how we respond, whether it be, again, the the virus or anything else that we're facing in life. We don't let that fear paralyze us. We don't let it make us question the power or the plan of God. It doesn't allow us to manipulate. It allows us to to stop other people manipulating our feelings and our reactions. I'm encouraging you today, as you face potentially another 40 days of being inside your home, or another 40 days of being without a job, or the next 40 days, having to be flat on your back in your bed. I'm talking to you, Lee Romine. Um, take care of yourself, please. I, I know what I'm talking about. As we face these 40 days of quarantine, we have a God who can and who does control what is happening. Your neighbors, your friends, your family who do not yet know Jesus, who do not yet have a relationship with God, will be watching you to see how your faith is really defining you, to see if it works during this time. How does a person of faith, how does a person of hope, how does a person of love respond in these times? Are we bitter? Are we paranoid? Are we lashing out? Are we frustrated? I'm sure you are. Are we frightened? I wouldn't be surprised if some of you are are living there at this point. Fatalistic? I pray not, because God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in all sorts of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the nations are in an uproar. We can be patient, because our God is bigger than the boogeyman. And what's more, we can even come out of this better than what we were before it began. Right now, I'd invite the worship team to come on up. And as we uh, conclude today, I I just want to encourage you to see this time as another time that God is using to change you. Just like he changed so many people in the Bible through 40 days, 
Maybe he wants you to pay more attention to the blessings that you have in your life. Maybe he's calling you to see ways that he is working through you to bless other people. Maybe it just means that he wants you to get out your Bible, finally, and read through the gospel accounts of of Jesus' life and ministry. Maybe it's just to slow down, to be still and know that he is God, to let the panic and and to let the fear go, and, and to, above all, to not lose faith in the God who will promise to walk us through this with us, and if we allow him to actually bring a change in our life for the better. You see, throughout Scripture, God uses 40 days with his people. Moses, Elijah, Joshua, Caleb, David, Jonah, Noah, even Jesus, our Savior. God used 40 days to get them ready to do amazing things. Wouldn't it be amazing if he is choosing to use these next 40 days to get us, his church, ready for the next phase of his kingdom as well? That's what I'm hoping that this series will inspire us to understand that God's not wasting this time of quarantine of 40 days, and we can trust him throughout the process.